the free for all roundtable round one on round one, let's say good morning too, to Tamara Cherry from Pickup Communications, Mark Tui, trusted advisor to business and political leaders, Matt Gurney is co-founder of The Line, which is an online magazine. Happy Monday to all of you, and I realize this wrapped up on Friday, but we haven't had a chance to uh, process it on our show yet, and I think it was pretty significant stuff. Uh, Justin Trudeau was testifying on Friday before the judicial inquiry into the declaration of the Emergencies Act. Um, I think I think this is probably there, there are two money clips as some people would say but throw in number 24 nick that'd be number 24 here we go i'm not going to pretend that it's the only thing that could have done it but it did do it and that colors the conversations we're having now with the fact that these could be very different conversations and i am absolutely serene and confident that i made the right choice Tamara Cherry, I'll start with you on this one. Um, you know, for anybody who was hoping he would fall apart on the stand or maybe have that Jack Nicholson moment where he vaults out of the chair and says, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> uh, he was on the stand for four and a half hours, such as it is. It's not really a stand. And he made his case. And either you buy it or you don't. You know, I think what it all comes down to, this is when we're t- discussing whether or not he met the legal threshold. Speaking as just a regular Canadian, not a political analyst, which I'm not, not as any, you know, big political watcher, I don't care. I was happy with the decision at the time. I'm happy with the decision now. They had to do something to get them out of there. Police, apparently, in Ottawa, seem to be doing nothing. So my opinion did not change from then until now. And yeah, I think he did really well on the stand. Okay. Uh, to the stand. Let's just call it that. I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, Mark Tui, uh, let me turn to you now. And I think Tamara hits on something quite vital here. I mean, this is a, a judicial inquiry. The idea is how do we define the threshold for when this act gets declared because we don't want it declared all the time. Yeah, and I think that it's quite clear after all the testimony that we've heard so far and the thousands of documents that have been looked at by the media that uh, it never did reach that threshold. That said, I don't think the government is in any jeopardy here, and I don't think that that, uh, the Prime Minister, uh, I don't think he hurt himself, and that's really the the threshold for the Prime Minister appearing before the judicial inquiries. Is he going to say something that's going to cause himself damage? I don't think he did. I don't think he won himself any favors, but uh, he didn't have to. He had to avoid making a fatal mistake, and he did. His, you know, suggestion that, you know, maybe it was too much, but it got the job done. Well, you know, maybe dropping a nuclear bomb on a car that's going too fast is too much, but it stops them from speeding. Uh, that really is kind of a non sequitur. <laughs> Sorry. Given that, given I'm, the guy, I'm the guy on the panel who gets speeding tickets, so I'm not sure I like that idea at all. Um, Matt Gurney, I'll turn to you. I think, you know, people are hitting the nail, various nails on the head here. Um, Again, most Canadians aren't preoccupied with the legalities of it. I kind of am. But at the same time, I was happy to see those yobs run out of town. I think Mark just dropped a nuke on a nail. I think that's how he's starting his morning. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, 
yeah, I, I think I actually find, uh, find myself almost immediately uh, and perfectly balanced between my, my two fellow panelists today. I, I think I agree with Tamara. I'm going to go so far as to say that I think the Prime Minister did really well on the stand. I think he offered a really compelling case. I think most of his cabinet ministers did a pretty good job as well. I think last week was a really risky week for this government, and I think they come out of it basically unscathed. So from a political perspective, I think they did really well. Mark says that he doesn't think uh, the Emergencies Act was needed. I, I find myself more in the position of saying I think the government has made a compelling case for why they think it was, but I'm not entirely convinced. You know, when we've heard from the police throughout the, the process that they uh, had the tools needed to to resolve the crisis without it, I find that interesting. And I don't know exactly how the government can really get its way around that here. Maybe, and I know this is a grim thought to have, and I don't like to start our Monday mornings this way, but one of the things I've been thinking about is whether the only emergency that really couldn't be solved under any other law of Canada, because that's what the legislation requires, is that there was a weird kind of dysfunctional paralysis that had taken over police leadership in Ottawa and also uh, in Ontario police and the uh, National Police, the RCMP as well, and that the Emergencies Act in a weird way was a weird kick in the butt to force everybody into gear. And it shouldn't have been necessary, but everyone else was covering their own butts and passing the buck, and it took that to force it through. That might make sense as a political argument, but good luck to Justice Rouleau trying to figure out if that meets the statutory requirement. But yeah. which one matters? What do they care about? That's where we need to go next is the fact that, that's exactly right. I mean, the emergency was the fact that our police didn't do their jobs. And in Canada, there is no way to get the police to do their job. And so government was flailing around looking for something. And the only act that it could find uh, on the shelf was the one that was intended to be called into play as the very last resort when paratroopers start falling from the sky and missiles are landing and we're being uh, invaded or assaulted by another state or a major terrorist organization. It was never intended to be used for a protest that was domestic in nature, uh, but it was the only tool available, perhaps, is clearly what the government is arguing, in order to get police officers in Canada to actually be responsive to the needs on the street when they didn't want to be. And that's a problem, and that bears some major change. Uh, Mark, let me stick with you for a moment, because I know you weighed in that you wanted to say something about this petition we were talking about in the last half hour. It's the Suzuki Foundation. Um, they've got a petition against Highway 413. Uh, you can testify to, to one thing, which is whenever you go to a House of Assembly at any level, almost every sitting begins with a bunch of people presenting petitions that nobody is going to pay any attention to. Yeah, no, the, normally the purpose for a petition like that, which was my point, it's on their website. So really what it is most likely doing uh, the best job of is creating a mailing list for the David Suzuki Foundation to further solicit funds. I mean, that's the primary purpose for any type of political petition. It's not to make change. Uh, they are entered into, as you said, uh, you know, the, the the legislature at the beginning, but there, it's, a, it's a rote procedural element that nobody looks at. Uh, it, this is about raising money. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tamara, you know, sort of pop quiz, I guess. Uh, can anybody think of a petition that ever made a difference? 
Hey, we're talking about this petition right now. Sure. So, I mean, this is this is this is keeping this story in the news as much as Doug Ford probably wants people to just say, "Okay, fine, just go back on your promise and take the land." So I I would dispute a bit of what Mark is saying there and that it obviously is having some impact. Yeah, but you know what? I think Pierre Polyevre has proven the point that Mark had, which is uh, it was having all these online surveys where you actually had to weigh in so then they could get your handle um, was one of the clinchers in driving up memberships and winning him the leadership. So, yeah, I'd agree, Mark, that it's it's a very canny way of assembling a contact list of people who are clearly motivated by something. Uh, Let's keep moving. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you were watching the game yesterday. I I think pretty well everybody, even if they aren't soccer fans, was taking in a portion of it. A bit of a heartbreaker, although we do learn uh, that Canada is taking home more than $10 million as a payday. I don't know how much that goes to the players and how much of it goes to uh, Soccer Canada. And I guess there's this sort of pat on our back thing where we say at least we got there. Hey, if we're bringing home 10 million bucks, I want my 25 cents. I mean, that's just the math on this. We're all getting a quarter. Um, I actually, at the time, was not watching it at all. My son had a hockey game at that exact time, and, and all the, the moms and dads and even some of the kids on the team were groaning about that, but the game kind of perfectly overlapped when his game was, and it was quite funny. I was actually being the good, attentive father and, and watching the game. My, mm-hmm. my kid was in goalie, which is good to get the blood pressure up, but I was looking around the rink occasionally and i have never seen more people just staring at their phones i can only imagine the data bandwidth being burned in the local cell towers because you probably had a hundred parents in that rink all of them staring at their phones watching the game on some app or another yeah tamara scott reed was on earlier this morning and said he was in the exact same position he was sitting in a hockey arena trying to pretend to be interested in the game but he was actually watching uh soccer on his uh, smartphone I didn't watch the game. I, I saw the the first goal, and it was a fantastic goal. And then I, you know, showed it to a bunch of other people. But look, you know what I love. You know what I like about this. I I love the conversations that come out of John Herdman. I really like him as a coach, and I'm no soccer um, expert, but I just like it when we don't win, but you can still bring some positive out of it. And there's a lot of people who are groaning about that. But I also really like your comment from earlier this morning, John, where you said there's probably a lot of women soccer fans who are sort of rolling their eyes. And I completely agree with you. You know, you just you just mentioned that the men's team is bringing home $10 million. Um, that is what that, that would be considered a big prize for any women's team. And they didn't they're not even advancing to the next um, to the next round. So um, lots of discussions taking place right now, and I'm just sort of sitting back and enjoying all of them. A man in France has won the right to be boring at work. And Mark Tui, we can laugh about this, but actually he says he was fired because he wouldn't party after uh, work and that he just wanted to do his job and he ended up being punished. So there actually is an important point being made here. There is, but one, it's France, and their laws are weird, so there's not a whole lot that you can translate into Canada. But I will say this, having just spent a semester teaching teamwork and organization at the University of Guelph Humber, there are there is a place for sort of mandatory happiness in the workplace in terms of uh, uh, team building efforts. It is not uh, in a drunken orgy on you know over the weekend where you force everybody to sleep in the same bed, but there 
there there are there is a place for some type of social bonding activity. This clearly was not it, but I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, well, Matt, I certainly remember from days writing for the National Post. It was a very convivial workplace, but then that's what newspapers are like. The mandatory cuddle held that place together for years. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. When I was reading the article, the one thing that jumped out at me is that like all, the, the debauchery and the boozing, that doesn't sound like my cup of tea either, but I would say that if you join a place to work and you are told in advance what the expectations and the culture are, I don't I don't have any sympathy for you if if you don't end up liking it here. Like if this was a surprise for the guy, okay, maybe. But if it, if he was told in advance, hey, this is how we like to relax and how we like to party, and he decided to sue them later, I just don't have any sympathy for that. Okay. I can't imagine he was told anything about simulated sex acts, sharing beds with colleagues, and cruel nicknames and other forms of hazing, though. That wouldn't have been disclosed. No, no, probably just, you know, playing improv games and uh, going to the bar and playing darts. <laughs> Thank you all. Yeah. Good to have you. Tamara Cherry, Matt Gurney, and Mark Tui. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.